Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. My name is Tim Barton, and I am one of the pastors here at the Vine. If you don't know that, pretty obvious, I guess, since I'm standing up here. (laughs) But we've been in a series of Jesus' plan for the world to know. And in this series, we've talked that we've said that Jesus' plan for the world to know is through discipleship. Now, when we use that word, so we've been talking about this for a few weeks, so now, who in here thinks that discipleship and being discipled is easy? Yeah, that was a trick question. Um, The reality is, it's not easy. I'll give you one example of that. When my wife, Carrie Ann, comes to me and says, Tim, as I was reading in God's word, I think this is something we need to work on as a family or something I see, Tim, in you. How often do you think my first response is, oh, joy? (laughs) No, my first response is, ugh. I I I don't want that. I do. I know it's good for me. And yet my first response is like, ouch, right? Discipleship is not easy. We've seen that part of discipleship is as we, as we think about discipleship, we are to call the uninterested to discipleship. Mark talked to us a lot about that last week. We've seen that we who are followers of Jesus are to continually to be growing in the image of Christ through his word. And so we need discipleship. We are also to be engaging in discipleship with others. And so we spend time with people. We teach them what God's word says and we, we teach them to obey all that the Lord has commanded us. And we do all of that because that's what Jesus set up. That's what he said is good for his people. That's what he said is good for all who believe and follow him. And it's how we continue to grow in what we want to be, and that is growing followers of Jesus who are being conformed into the image of Christ. But again... It's not easy, and I would even say it's not natural for us. Pastor John told us a few weeks ago, um, because it's not easy, Jesus said in John chapter 14, 15 through 21 that we looked at, that, that Jesus left us another teacher, another counselor, one who would disciple us, that is the Holy Spirit, and he disciples us through his word. and says he left him. And John told us that, um, we, that we were going to talk more about the Holy Spirit and the way he does that later on. Well, today is later. And so today we're going to see that discipleship relies on the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to do that by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 6 through 16. You know, we saw Jesus said he was leaving the Holy Spirit and, and John in the gospel. Now we're going to see that Paul kind of unpacks this for the Corinthian church um, to some degree. And as you turn there, 1 Corinthians 2, um, verses 6 through 16, I want to give you a definition of one word you're going to see pop up in this a good bit. Um, And and in this passage, you're going to see the word spiritual pop up a good bit. Now, when we say spiritual today, we kind of mean those things out there. It's kind of this nebulous word that that our society has co-opted and changed to not mean what the Bible means and what Paul means when he uses it here. So what Paul means when he uses it here, when you hear it in this passage, is spiritual indicates that someone or something has to do with the Holy Spirit or is being taught by the Holy Spirit. 
You can leave that up there for just a second, Devin. Um, make sure we can see that. Um, that's what Paul means when he says spiritual. Natural is the opposite of that. Okay, natural is having nothing to do with the spirit, but, but the other side to things, being without the spirit. Okay, I'm just telling you that as we come to read this, um, and we'll talk more about that as we go. Let's look at uh, chapter two, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Usually, um, when we jump into a new book, we would take the time to give you a lot of background going on in the book. But because we're only going into this book for one week, I'm just going to give you a, a little bit of background that I think is important for us to understand today. And so, what I think is important is that Paul is writing to Christians who are in Corinth. Um, that was in the capital city of a Roman province. And he's writing to address the problems that had risen in the church. And there was one primary problem that, we'll, we'll, that I want you to know. And that is that the people in the church, the, the Christians in the church in Corinth, were placing an improper, inordinate value on worldly wisdom. That is, the things that seem wise to them as humans. That is, the secular philosophy of the day, which at the time was Greek philosophy. And they were placing an improper, inordinate value on that. And in some cases, the Christians were taking this worldly wisdom and this secular philosophy, and they were taking those things and they were mixing them with biblical truth to even further confuse matters. In other cases, they were just um, completely supplanting biblical truth with these things and, or overriding what the Bible said was good and right. As you can imagine, that was causing disagreements and arguments within the church when everybody was kind of adding to biblical wisdom all these other things that, that they thought were wise. And what that ultimately resulted in is that what God had to say in his word was no longer the primary authority. The gospel was no longer the driving motivator. Human wisdom had become the arbiter of truth or the, the decider of truth. Does that sound familiar? 
It should. Because the reality is, is this is happening in churches all over our country. It's happening today. And we need to be aware of that to stand firm against it. And, you'll love it when I say and, right? And we need to remember that we're prone to this in our lives as well. Every one of us are prone to this in some way. It's easy for us to rely on ourselves, to rely on our wisdom, what we can justify or make right in our own eyes, while not even considering that God might have told us something contrary to our thoughts or approach. We get so locked into our day-to-day that we, we sometimes fail to stop and realize, no, God, is, God has spoken to this in his word. Many of us have bought into secular way of thinking. And so when we see others seek to speak into our lives, what do we think? What does our world teach us to think? You see it all over social media. How dare you try to teach me something? And it filters into the church. It filters into our lives. Here's the rub. Here's why that's a problem. When we take on that philosophy, that approach, it's a problem because God has said we are to be discipling one another. It didn't say if you think you might want to. It's the call to every believer. But we're also called to be receptive to what God might want to teach us through someone else. Someone who's sharing his word, the truth of his word with us. But doing this, again, is not natural. It's not the way of the world. Trusting what God says in his word is best for us, especially when that challenges our experiences or our sinful desires, that's not natural, it's not normal. Changing, being conformed to the image of Christ, that's not natural. All of this, discipleship per se, (laughs) relies on the work of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's what Paul is trying to tell the church in Corinth And so from what Paul says to them, we're going to draw out two options for us in our lives. Just two, not overly complicated. Two options today. The first one, first option is that we can choose to live as if we do not need the Holy Spirit. And that is those who are not followers of Jesus can choose to live that way, but also we as followers of Jesus in areas of our lives can choose to live as if we do not need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Look at verse six, just the beginning of it. It says, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Now, let me tell you what Paul's talking about here. He's telling them that that he um, and those who are with him, who are going around with him teaching, they impart wisdom to the mature. But it's important right here to understand Paul's definition of maturity. And I'm gonna summarize it, putting it together from all his different teachings and things. Because Paul's definition of maturity has nothing to do with the age of a person. It's not about how much they've accomplished in life. It's not even about how good of a person they are. It's about a person's spiritual maturity. This wisdom, this spiritual maturity is something different. Verse 7 says, 
you skip down to that, we'll come back to the other part of verse six in a minute. But verse seven says, it is a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. So Paul's saying here, it's not a wisdom or maturity in the world's way of thinking. It's a spiritual maturity. This type of maturity and wisdom is what God decreed before the ages for our glory. And here's where it starts. It starts with a recognition of our need for Jesus alone for salvation. Oftentimes when children come and express their faith, parents want to know, like, is that, is that enough with where they are? And I'm like, this is where spiritual maturity starts. An acknowledgement of our sin, that it affects us, an acknowledgement of our need for Jesus and him alone for salvation. That's, spiritual, that's the beginnings of spiritual maturity. But it's also understanding that we need the Holy Spirit to teach us and to strengthen us to follow what God wants for us, what he shows us in his word, not what the world says we need. So Paul then contrasts spiritual maturity with, with immaturity choosing to live as if we don't need the Holy Spirit. Look back at the second half of verse six. He says, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. So let me just, those two phrases, wisdom of this age and rulers of this age. Wisdom of this age, first of all, that's the worldviews, the belief system, the approach um, to life at their time. Do you know that every time in history has that and, and actually multiple of those at every time in history, right? We have worldviews, we have belief systems. Some of those are sophisticated. Some of those are rational. Some of those are moral. Some of them are not any of those things. But due to sin, all of these approaches have a tendency to either muddy God's word or turn us away from the truth of God's word. Then there's the rulers of this age. And I think Paul's talking here about the political leaders and the powerful and influential people. They seem to be successful and wise. They seem to have all they desire, but if they, if they perpetually reject the gospel, then when Christ returns, all that seeming wisdom and knowledge and power that they have, he says it amounts to nothing. It's doomed to pass away. They are doomed to pass away. He says it even more clearly in verse eight. None of the rulers of this age understand, understood this, this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. None of the powerful of this age understood God's true wisdom, he says. It might seem like it, but their wisdom led them to crucify the Lord of glory. And he's showing them it was, it was their desire to kill Jesus ultimately that proved they had no wisdom at all. It proved as if they were living as if they did not need the Holy Spirit. Now Paul takes time to point all that out because he was showing them that many in the church there were also living lives of immaturity without submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit who would apply biblical truths to their lives. And Paul's telling the Corinthians, the way you're relying on worldly wisdom, the way you're acting as if that your wisdom makes you better than others, the way you're boasting toward one another about your wisdom and accomplishments, 
the way you're trusting in the wisdom and power of this world, it's making you no better than those who are not followers of Jesus. And so in the Corinthian church, this approach was separating the church and it caused them to look like two immature children fighting with one another. You ever seen that? If you have multiple siblings, I know you've seen it. <laughs> if you have multiple children, I know you've seen it. I've even seen uh, 50-year-old children fighting over immature things with one another. So apply that to our hearts then. The level to which we, this is now us in this room, those watching online, the level to which we buy into and boast in the worldly pursuit of wisdom, power, pleasure, comfort, security, approval, the level to which we bind and boast in those things demonstrates the level to which we are unwise and immature. And I know that can be hard to hear, but I believe it's what he's showing us in this passage. And if we take that even further, if we choose to stay in that immaturity that he's showing us, if we choose to stay there, living as if we don't need the Holy Spirit to teach us to repent and then to believe and follow him, that makes us no better, us no better than those who crucified Jesus. It feels a bit worse when we say it about ourselves, right? Verse 14 says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So he's, just, he's, he's continuing to say the same thing again in a different way. Living as if we don't need the Holy Spirit, living as if we do not need conviction from him, living as if we do not have his power to help us understand his word, to help us look to Jesus and live in obedience to him, that is the way of the natural person. You remember the distinction between natural and spiritual before we shared before we read it? That is the way of someone living as if they don't need the Holy Spirit in their lives. We can choose to do that. But in the end, that's devoid of hope. It's devoid of hope for us. It's devoid of hope for our spouses. It's devoid of hope for our children, for our grandchildren. It's devoid of hope for those around us. But thankfully, there's another way. There's another option. It's Jesus' plan. It comes through discipleship. And here it is. We can submit our lives to the work of the Spirit of God. We can submit our lives to the work of the Spirit of God. That's, at, that's the heart and core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's what we need. And Paul's trying to show the followers of Jesus in Corinth the same thing. So verse nine, he says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the spirit. And so Paul's, Paul's going backwards here and he's quoting from two Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. And his point is, is that the ordinary ways of understanding through the, the senses, that is the eye, the ear, 
the mind, the heart. All those rulers could have gained wisdom for this life through those things. They might've been really good at using those senses and those emotions to lead, to get what they wanted. It might've helped them get into the positions they were in. But Paul's going, that's great, but it's not gonna help them understand God. It's not gonna help them understand who God is and what God is doing. And so instead, what will help are the things that are revealed to them and us through the Spirit of God. Those things have been prepared by God for those that love Him. And y'all, that is a beautiful and encouraging truth. It is beautiful and it is encouraging because this is why we submit our lives to the work of the Spirit of God because the Spirit knows God. The Spirit knows all that God has for us. And we submit our lives to him because he says he's going to teach us those things through his word. Verse 10 says, he knows all about God for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. He's the third person of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He knows those things and he knows the depths of God. And so the spirit reveals the things we need to know about the character of who God is about what he has done through Jesus and what he will do in completing the work he began in his people. So what's he ultimately doing? He's ultimately revealing the truth of the word of God, the truth of the gospel applied to our hearts. He's using that to change us and to conform us into the image of Christ. Now, Paul gives the Corinthians an example here to help them understand. I think it'll help us understand as well. Verse 11 says, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, how many of you think that there is any person in this world who knows everything that goes on in your mind? If there's children in here, some of you might've thought that sometimes about your mothers, but... <laughs> How many of you think there's somebody in this world that knows everything there is to know about what's going on in your mind? The reality is, none of us, right? You say it that way, it's like, well, no, of course not. That's what Paul's saying. It's like, the, 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 no one else can understand, the, just, just with man, right? No one else can understand everything that, that I'm thinking or, or knows everything that I'm thinking except the spirit that's within me, except for, for my spirit, so to speak, right? Paul's saying, same thing with God. All these other people think they know God. They think they know everything about God, but there is one that knows the depths of the wisdom of God, and that is the Spirit of God. The Spirit knows even the depths. And that's important for us as we walk on this earth to understand that there is not a single person on this earth, who understands all there is to know about God. There is not one person 
who looks upon God, even as described in his word, who can understand everything about his wisdom. So what does that mean? What that means is that we all need to continue to submit to his work to grow us as we walk in the Christian life. If you're satisfied with where you are in following Jesus, I'll just caution you. Because he says to keep coming to him, to keep submitting your lives to him, to keep having him grow you to conform into his image. The gospel has, the, the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ has secured that for us, but he tells us to grow in it. The fancy word for that is sanctification. We want to grow in those things. That's what Paul's saying in verse 12 to 13. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So what has God freely given to the followers of Jesus? He's given what can't be seen by natural eyes, natural wisdom of the world. One, he's given us the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who lived the perfect life, the one who died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, the one who rose again from the dead to defeat the power of sin. And so it does not have rule and dominion over those who are his children. We can battle it because of the second thing he gave us. He's given us words not taught by human wisdom. He's given us his word not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit. So Paul lays all that out for the Corinthians and us, and he's showing us that if we are followers of Jesus, if you were in here today and you were a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God within you. And so we need to be asking ourselves regularly. Some of you are going through some really, really, really hard stuff right now. But are we asking the Spirit of God who is in us regularly? Are we submitting our lives to the work of the Spirit of God regularly? Or are we trusting in ourselves in our own wisdom? Are we going to keep living like we don't need him and instead trusting in human wisdom and human experience and human understanding? That's how Paul closes. He brings it all back around. Verses 15 and 16. It says, the spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Paul's saying the one who is filled with and governed or taught by the Spirit, that is the follower of Jesus, if that's you, you're able, you're not just able, you're called to look at things in life and begin to understand them as God understands them. Won't be perfect, but we are called to be growing to conform into his image. But he says, because who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Paul's going, it is silly to think that anyone, it is silly to think that anyone 
could instruct the Lord. Instead, we need to submit to his spirit who knows even the depths of God and who will teach us all things. But it requires us to rely on the Holy Spirit and not the wisdom of the world. It requires us to be willing to meet him where he says he'll meet us. Where does he say he'll meet us? In his word. If you're trying to know God without the word of God, that he says, this is my declared will for you, then you're missing it. If we're not coming together and praying for one another in these things and in teaching and admonishing one another in these things, asking people to do that for us, that's called discipleship. Um, If we're not doing that, we're missing it. At our men's retreat this past weekend, we looked at one verse for a day and a half. And the verse was Colossians 3.16. And when we talk about discipleship, when we talk about asking the Spirit of God to work, here's, here's as that summarizes down into Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Are we asking the Spirit of God to take these things He's given us? And to conform us through them to the image of Christ. To give us, to grow us in having the mind of Christ. As we prepare for the Lord's table today, I want to ask you to ask these two questions. One is, Where am I living as if I don't need the Holy Spirit? And two is, where do I need to submit to him this morning? Will you ask those questions today? They're really the same question, right? If we are followers of Jesus, they should be. Because as soon as God shows us where I'm living as if I don't need the Holy Spirit, that is his conviction. And it should cause us to run to him this morning. We're going to celebrate communion and at the Lord's table, it is to guarantee that it is safe to run to him because he's done what is necessary that our sin has been paid for. And so we can run to him, but we submit to him asking him to keep changing us, to keep growing us as he teaches us by his spirit through his word. So take a moment. Think on these questions, go before the Lord with them, and then we'll come back together for the Lord's table. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.